We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We actually have a pretty cool YouTube piece coming up this week. I'm, I'm teasing YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I haven't teased YouTube in forever. Yes, yes. But this was our Raptor, uh, Ford Raptor adventure. We started off here in Utah with a stock Raptor and then through our friends at Expel had opportunities to be in more than a stock Raptor in the middle of the desert. And we said, I'll yes, say. please. So uh, we were down in Vegas for that part. And so that is actually coming. Uh, I'm giving you the heads up right now because by Friday it will have already dropped. So this is Happy Tuesday. This is coming up, and and so that piece is coming. Oh, speaking of things coming up, this hmm. is episode, what is this, 392? 391. Three, okay. Yeah. The, here, I, I've looked at a calendar. I'm going to frighten you. Oh, no. Because it frightens me very much. Yeah, we've been going through calendar issues right now. Uh, podcast number 400. <laughs> Hurtling towards us, by the way. Podcast 400. I, I never in a million years thought we would do 400 podcasts. We thought, let's start a podcast. <laughs> podcast 400 is coming right. up. That is going right. to actually record on May Thursday, May the 16th. Why am I telling you this? Because we've decided, details forthcoming, I can't give you details, we've decided <laughs> to do a live podcast recording at an actual venue for Podcast 400. We're going to do it locally in Salt Lake. We're hoping for it to be a combination uh, live podcast recording with you in the audience if you'd like to come, and maybe a screening of some TV episodes afterward. Kind of a, kind of, we're going to make a night of it, which will be mm-hmm. very cool. Mm-hmm. We're also going to do that thing we teased on our last Utah meetup because we had many people coming from all over, the, all over the country. We're going to do kind of then the following Saturday, the 18th, so the 16th for the recording, which would come out on Friday the 17th. Stay with me, I promise. And then May the 18th would be a Saturday. We're going to hopefully do an Everyday Driver uh, Utah Locals Drive. Yeah. Hopefully we'll yeah. have enough roads open. We can do something decent. I don't know what the drive is yet, but we're working on all of this. But I'm putting it out <laughs> Nothing there. Nothing like so announcing that, stuff without details. Well, Nothing like put it but, out there but, without But the reason is because details. we plan to do it, and we yeah. know these are the dates, and so we don't want it to be a thing where we announce it on Monday, and it's going to happen Thursday. So that's why I'm mentioning mm-hmm. it now, so that as we get details together, you, if you're interested at all in that, uh, being part of the live audience for that, put it on your calendar. We will get you specifics as we move forward. Speaking of live, I've just been thinking about this. An idea struck me about the debate itself not only will the venue that we that we're at we're going to need internet because you know i'm going to i'm going to need my laptop for sure to look stuff up on the fly but whoever's debate we do they can either maybe be live on the phone with us or we'll we'll probably pull somebody somebody right out of the audience we'll probably pull somebody out of the audience and it'll turn into a food fight and you know hopefully not you're wrong i'm wrong everybody's wrong and then yeah, you know, that, the we'll, we'll have a proper debate. The intention is that we'll do an actual live car debate there at the live event. <laughs> exactly. and But we'll still pull many – I mean, it's Podcast 400. We'll still pull many crazy questions from you online. Oh, absolutely. So that'll be all very, very absolutely. fun. Are we going to stream this, by the way? Is this going to be live streamed in We're addition so. to be live debate? Yeah, that's what's all being discussed. I mean, the, this, these so are everything's all, live, yes, essentially. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of us on Thursday night, the May 16th. <laughs> and then, of course, it would come out as a normal uh, podcast episode on the 17th, which is Friday. But think about that for May 16th because we're so shocked that we're getting to episode 400. Yeah, we thought, no kidding. let's do something kind of crazy. So we're going to do something. All right. I'm going to jump in with an invitation to y'all for the pilgrimage trip 2019 Please coming come. up yes. September, October. So it's the latter part of September, just to the 30th and 31st. Uh, 29th of September through the 3rd of October, if you count yeah, the flying and fly out days. There we go. Yes. So, yes, yes. Sorry, the 29th and 30th of September. Mm-hmm. And then on through the first part of October, and you are all invited. We would love to have you. All the details are on everydaydriver.com. Mm-hmm. You can go to the events right on the middle of the page right yep. there. Yep, yep. And then pretty much dead center of the page is all the FAQ, all the information, the price. We've dropped the price. 
And as much as we could. Yeah. By the way, it doesn't include airfare because we don't know where on the planet you are flying into. Mm-hmm. We've even had somebody already indicate they're in Europe. They're just going to join us for part of it. Drive down. Yeah. That is yeah, a yeah. possibility, mm-hmm. but we'll have to kind of customize depending on your situation and, and what you want to come in for. Ideally, you come for the whole trip. That's yes. that's the yes. entire thing, and it's it's one big happy family for the entire thing because the dinners. By the way, the dinners at night are a debrief of the day and looking forward to what's next. Totally, and totally, yeah. That's almost the most fun. And this, despite being on track in cars with pro drivers, we've got. I, a, I'm pushing you all. Yes. I'm, I'm pushing on you. I realize that. But please, if you've ever considered this, 2019 is the year to go. It is. And, and, there, and there's even a very cool road trip this year where we're pre-planning our route. I know this, I, I don't know what I'm about to say sounds insane. It sounds, it sounds <laughs> okay. insane. But the two years we've taken people, we did not pre-plan our road trip route. Other than, please don't misunderstand Oh, you're listening me. who've been with us on the yeah, trip. Yeah. You, th- you thought yeah, yeah. it was planned. There was, there was no planning. No, that was uh, um, Google Maps. Uh, other than the <laughs> fact that obviously we were starting at the ring and we were driving to Spa. This much we knew. We knew we were going. <laughs> we, we knew where we needed to end but it, up. But it was literally yeah. like live look at the map Paul and I pulling each other aside looking at the map and going okay you see this I can't pronounce the name of that town you see that town I'm driving for that town and then we would get to that town and like reconnect and be like I'm driving to this town now Uh we were just picking back roads we're not doing that this year we have pre-planned a route that I have to tell you is killer yeah. A couple of roads yeah. that I discovered kind of by accident in Germany the last time I was there through some gorgeous scenery and well, some great Well, you were rushing towns. to catch a flight. And you went, I was. this is cool. I have to remember this. i got to go catch a flight. I totally did. I took, took, took notes. You're gone. Uh, so that's going to be very cool. Good road trip. And I remember everything on this trip, honestly, everything but souvenirs is covered. Yeah, bring money for the T-shirts at yes. the Ring and Spa because you're going to want to buy that. We, we and, can't uh, buy you a jacket. All but, the Ring uh, yeah. stickers that you're going to buy for the back yes. of your laptop, your car, you know, your kid's forehead, whatever. The yeah, front of the yeah. dishwasher. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. They're going you know, everywhere yeah. in the house. So mm-hmm. just bring sure. extra cash for that. It's going to happen. Honey, why is there a squiggle on the fridge? That's <laughs> exactly. Spa. <laughs> anyway, what are you yeah. talking about? Squiggle? I, look at this corner. I could. Yeah, I could exactly. do that corner. So it is all inclusive, uh, big time, which includes. Uh, keep in mind, instructors, helmets, gas, stuff that. Does, does rack up the cost. We'd love to have you with us. Many of you have signed up already. Many of you more are circling. We'd love to have you with us. I actually heard, by the way, our Discord, our, our, oh, our yeah, chat yeah, room yeah, yeah. that we have for our patrons has kind of blown up. I'm pretty excited I, about I, this. I, and actually, Paul uh, and I are going to be on there more in the near future. But And thank you guys for all of the interaction you've done already on that. But people are people are back and forth with each other, making new friends all over the nation and the world, which yeah, is, gonna really, say, this is worldwide. really cool. That's this available is your car community. Every single yeah. patron. You, and, yeah. and the nice thing, I've heard a couple people mention, because you're listening to this show, and then now that you're a patron of the show, it seems to be fairly like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So some of the vitriol that you find on a lot of on- online discussions seems to be at least at least distant. It's not like, oh, I can't get in here without a hazmat suit, which is good. I think it has to do with the lack of anonymity. I think anonymity breeds that, certainly does on more YouTube so, at least. More so, but, yeah. You know, everybody on Patreon, you know, you'll see each other on the on the calls at the True. board member That's level, fair. on That's the monthly fair. calls. We'll, we'll see each other and we get mm-hmm. to talk and have – this is just a continuation of that is essentially where the idea grew out of was yeah, after one call ended, it was Matt who goes by the handle Waffleophagus. Which is awesome. He sent us an email and talked about, you know what, I, I wish the calls were longer. I wish this continued on because yeah, for sure. there was starting to have a little bit of chat on the Zoom when you have, if any of you have used Zoom, a lot of it's used for business conference calls. And so you have the chat feature. 
people were laughing and chatting. Doing side conversations <laughs> to the main company, exactly. which is great. Yeah. In the background on the side. And Matt said, I wonder how can we make this keep mm-hmm. going? And so this has grown out of the monthly calls is what that has. But the reason I bring it up, besides the fact that it's very cool and if any patron can be involved, and many of you are, the reason I'm bringing it up here is because, uh, and, and you know who you are. I'm not going to call you out, but you know who you are. <laughs> talking on the Discord about, you know what we should do? We should go to P- Pilgrimage in 2020. <clears throat> Guys, it's 2019 and we're going this year. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. There's still some slots available. You should go. Yes. You should go currently. Anyway, yeah. Yes. Just scrape all the money, loose change, <laughs> uh, inheritances, trust funds, what, whatever you have to do. It's a bucket list trip. I will be honest. Yeah. It's a, it's a bucket yeah. list list trip. And if you are a person where we actually had an email exchange earlier this week with somebody who was like. I don't love track driving, but I'm intrigued. We were both like, come. Yeah, for sure. It, this is not a race, okay? It's it's have this experience and be able to – imagine next year you're watching Formula One if you do that. And somebody's driving spa and you go, oh, I've done that corner. That is a – by the way, that's a crazy sentence. There's a tingle that goes with that There's sentence a crazy, when crazy you get sentence. to say that sentence. Yeah, for sure. It's very cool. All right. Well, guys, we've got a very special podcast. It is not a debate. We are actually having our title sponsor for the television show on with us. Mm-hmm. He's the director of marketing, Jeff Jeglowitz. He is calling in from Oklahoma, and he's going to be with us because, we, again, we don't do this often, and we're not necessarily an interview show, True. even though we have had various people on, and we do it every so often. But mm-hmm. we thought it'd be a great chance for all of you to get to hear from the company that sponsors us. And and there's stuff in here that, honestly, that we learned. We have learned about Covercraft in the last six months as they sponsored our American original film and they sponsored the show. We've gotten to know them better. We learned things that we were like, I didn't have any idea about that. So this is the reason that we wanted to call Jeff and have him on with us for a bit. All right, here we go. Hello. Well, thanks for being on the phone with us, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Every time you and I mm-hmm. talk about the everyday driver code using for Covercraft, mm-hmm. it is Jeff that has given us this code Absolutely, yeah. to use for everybody listening. So, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Yeah, really appreciate sure. it. Oh, you're most welcome. I really enjoy uh, talking to you guys and having this opportunity. It should be a lot of fun. It's always like there's actually a human being behind the code. True. No, no. But it's here, true. But here's the thing. Jeff and, and also Jesse over there at Covercraft, Jeff's the director of marketing, and Jesse actually came to our American original premiere yes, he here, did. here in Park City. He did. And uh, Jeff and Jesse have been amazing to us. Uh, Jesse's been Jesse's been been my 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 brother over at Covercraft because <laughs> yeah, he and he I is. are the ones that talk talk tech. I, when yeah, I need commercials is. and stuff from Jesse and I are like, let's talk compression rates. That's who <laughs> exactly. Jesse's been, which is great. Uh, so he's he's been obviously assisting us as well. But but Jeff is the guy that stepped alongside us uh, back in season one. Yeah, Step for along sure. He's, he's ca- been with us for a long time. By the way, time. in case you haven't been following along, we're shooting season five right now. But season four just finished. It's on Amazon Prime. They've been with us all four of those seasons as the presenting sponsor. That is that everyday code. And many of you guys have told us that you've gotten stuff that way, which is awesome. And I just look, look I want to close the world down. We're excited to be on with Jeff because Jeff's the man that did all that. Exactly right. Yeah. Some of the stuff, actually, Jeff, I don't know how much Jesse told you when he got back from traveling here to watch the the premiere. We actually were sitting at breakfast. It was a sort of a brunch Mm -hmm. with all of us before we actually went to the premiere. And a lot of the stuff he said, I figure you could expound upon just about really the range of Covercraft products Mm -hmm. and the depth of the company. But I figured I'd start, you know, how long have you been with the company? Changes you've seen over time. And then we'll work our way towards the stuff Jesse and, you know, the rest of us got to talking about. It was it was fascinating. I figured you could expound more on that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, the company was founded in 1965. I've been with the company working on my 17th year. 
and there's okay. still a lot of days that I feel like the new guy. <laughs> Seriously. <Okay. laughs> there are so many uh, great people and families that are still employed by the company that there's these, you know, this family culture we have here and uh, working your way into that after only being there 17 years sometimes can be a challenge. So <laughs> only, I love it. Oh, the new guy just came into the meeting. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's right. be nice to Jeff. That'd be good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's happened that Jesse alluded to with us in the conversation, and it was news to me, is that you guys as a company, I mean, Covercraft is the brand that, that I know, that we know, but there's it's expanded a lot. Aren't there a lot of other brands that lead back to you guys as well? Yeah, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, expansion in the past few years. But even going back to about 2009, we acquired some industry-leading brands like Colgan Custom Bras and the Dash Mat Dash Cover, uh, LeBron brand bras back in mm-hmm. about uh, 2009 to 2012 era. And then more recently, uh, we've acquired some other industry-leading brands in the RV market like Adco. And most recently in the marine market, we acquired a company called Carver Industries that makes boat covers. Additionally to those, we've had some seat cover companies. We've, we've uh, acquired GT Covers, Precision Fit, and marathon seat covers. So our product breadth has really expanded exponentially yeah. in the past few yeah. years. And uh, we, we basically have a full collection of automotive, marine, and RV protective products now under the Covercraft umbrella. Well, that was the thing. That was the thing that surprised me. Thanks for that, because that was the thing that was I was looking at. I was realizing I've heard a lot of these other names mm-hmm. over the years, right. and didn't realize that they were you guys as well. And I, I mean, honestly, it's become a thing where unless it's your house, everything but your house can be covered by a product you guys have <laughs> down through the RV and the ATV and the oh look. And, and of course, I I wax lyrical often about my rear seat cover on the Cayenne because yes, of my kids, and, my kid, and my dogs. Now uh, I, I'm so excited about that rear seat cover and i didn't i mean it's amazing that even that stuff exists yeah the seat cover business has grown uh, tremendously over the years and and mostly with the you know the the growth in the truck market the light Mm -hmm. truck market has blown up and um, more people are wanting to protect their seats because they're getting out doing those weekend adventures or uh, they work out of their truck during the week but they still want to take the family out on the weekends they want to keep the interior looking good um, so those product lines have really grown for us. And especially, as you mentioned, the, the pets, uh, you know, most people that have, have a dog will take their dog with them at some point mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. vehicle. Totally. So seat cover is a natural uh, piece to have. I think what's interesting is so many people write to us and they've got the third performance car, the fun mm-hmm. car mm-hmm. sitting in the driveway because they don't have garage space. Everybody listening, you know who you are writing to us. Yeah, for sure. You live in San Francisco or you live in a city and you've got to park on the street. And so Todd and I intertwine, you know, by the way, once you get this performance car that we're recommending for you, <clears throat> you need a cover for it. And uh, yeah, well, you know for, where to go. We hear the guys I park under a tree. We, we hear yeah, all this there kind is of that. stuff. Yeah. And, and I am now the guy with two garage spaces and three cars. So I am living <laughs> this life big time. I mean, Jeff, big time. we've yeah. gotten the question, you know, why is there always, there's, there's now sort of this unwritten rule that all of us car enthusiasts have one more car than we actually have garage Completely. space for. Like, why Why is that? How did this come to pass? I think it's pretty funny, but, you know, we always direct them towards the core product, of course. But it's good to hear all of the other kinds of products that mm-hmm. you've branched out into. And it kind of covers the conversation we were having with Jesse. And that was, he mentioned something interesting, and that was empower enthusiasts. 
That was sort of the phrase that he used moving forward. And he had mentioned some stuff for the future, you know, kind of where you guys are going. I don't know how much you're you're able to mention, but I thought that was an interesting comment from him. Well, yeah, I mean, look, we all, uh, if, if you're a performance guy, you're concerned with horsepower and uh, braking and all those things that make your, your car what it is. And so many times enthusiasts forget about some of the more simpler things that you do uh, to maintain the, you know, the appearance of your vehicle. And that's, you know, that's really what Covercraft does is we provide products interior and exterior to maintain the appearance and help you feel good about your car. I mean, it's, it's a proven fact that if your car is clean, it runs better, it at least in my fact. opinion. We no, you're agree. right. So, no, there is so much anecdotal <laughs> evidence that I think now it can be said as a proven fact. I totally agree with that. Yes. You know, uh, I know my first car was, was not a uh, high performance machine by any means. Um, really wasn't that pretty, but if it was clean, I sure felt good driving it for sure. And yeah. I think that's, I think most people feel that way about their, their daily driver or, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a collector vehicle they have or a third vehicle they have mm-hmm. that they just take out on the weekends. So, um, maintaining the appearance, uh, is really what, what we do, um, uh, in a nutshell, we, you know, make, make sure that your vehicle stays looking as good as it can. So you feel good about it and then maintains that resale value. If, you know, mm. at some point you decide to get rid of the vehicle or you're passing it down to somebody. I actually just thought of a story that came from this past winter with the Lotus parked. Okay. Cause the Lotus okay. parks inside. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and, as it should, but I have, but I have a climbing wall in the other uh-huh. side of my garage. Uh-huh. So when I'm going to be on the climbing wall, I pull my wife's Cayenne out and the climbing wall now has space, right? My son had friends over, and we're talking eight, nine-year-old boys, okay? Um, Eight or nine-year-old boys. I didn't have eight of them over. I had three of them over. Uh, So they're playing on the climbing wall, which, of course, backs up to the Lotus. Uh, But I forgot about the fact that when you're eight or nine, the coolest thing about climbing is actually the chalk bag. I can get my hands covered in chalk, and I can bang my hands. Oh, no. Uh, For the longest time. And and I I have to give kudos to Jeff here because Jeff has said to me more than once, and he will attest, he said to me more than once, can I get you a cover? We've got covers for you for your Lotus. And I'm like, it parks inside. Why do I need one? I Now I realize I'm, I'm the bonehead. I'm the bonehead. Because because awesome. now I've got boys running around blasting chalk into the air. I was like, it was clean when I parked it. Oh, no. It, it hasn't, it hasn't been out all winter. And now you're just creating chalk dust on my car. Oh, I should have no. had it. Anyway, that's, that's just a thing that struck me as you were talking, Jeff, because I ran into that. I'm like, the one that parks outside makes sense. When the park's inside, now I'm realizing I'm, I'm, in, I'm an idiot. So uh, anyway, but the other thing I have to say that is a thank you to you guys in general that we didn't – I don't feel like Paul and I realized until we were at SEMA last year. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. you guys – obviously, you're, we're talking about your products. But you guys with builds, with us, with this kind of thing, you step up and stand behind folks that are trying to push car enthusiasm to others. And you say, we're here for you and we're backing your play. And that's been great for us and it's been great for builds. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, that's really one of the pushes we've had in the recent years, too. You know, like I said, we've been around over 50 years. And for a majority of that time, most of the consumers, enthusiasts didn't really know who Covercraft was. Unless they were, a, you know, really a hardcore traditional car cover person, uh, they didn't know who Covercraft was. They, they used our products, but they had purchased them through, you know, the plethora of, of retailers that are out there that sell our stuff. Sure, oh, sure. Um, so you know, we wanted to really start getting back into the industry and supporting people that had, you know, the industry in mind, guys like you that are, that are out there putting out great content and informing people about vehicles, uh, supporting outdoorsmen who, 
who support environmental uh, issues that help, you know, maintain the environment and renewable resources for people that want to get outdoors and use that. Uh, we sponsor a fisherman on the, on the uh, major league fishing circuit. Now um, mm. we sponsor a lot of other builders and bring them into to SEMA to showcase their vehicles, give back to the people who are using our products to let them know that look, Covercraft is, is part of your industry, part of your, um, of your lifestyle. And we, you know, we want to stay and we want you to know that we're here. That's cool. I mean, from all the shows and, and everybody that you sponsor, you're traveling a lot before we actually jumped on the call, we were talking about your travel schedule and how you <laughs> sort of do your laundry was, at your house, but was, you live at the Hilton. Yeah, right? Seriously. That, was that right? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, uh, you know, I go from uh, a few weeks ago, I was at the, the Bassmaster outdoor expo and I go from that to a Barrett Jackson auction in West Palm beach. So the, variety of, of things we're into is is across the board um, but uh, we get out and do this because we believe in what we do and believe in the industries that we're involved in that's really cool uh, how how big is the company now people wise uh, we're approaching 900 employees okay. uh, and that's that's globally so it's it's growing quite a bit um, you know we have manufacturing in Oklahoma Texas, uh, South Carolina, Colorado, Montana. Wow. Um, I didn't realize that. I yeah, thought I your manufacturing was at home base in Oklahoma. That's really cool. Yeah, we really, you know, that's this is our home base. Uh, we do have a, uh, most of our custom car covers are manufactured here in Oklahoma. But, uh, again, we have seat cover, uh, RV, marine products built in all the other locations. Wow, wow. So that actually leads me to another thought I was wondering, because we do have a lot of international listeners. And, and, and I, I shout out to our folks in Canada real quick, because they are still bothering us, rightly so, about the <laughs> fact that Amazon Prime Canada, for some reason, does not have our stuff. I can't explain it. It's an Amazon question. But back, back to you, Jeff. The, uh, so mm -hmm. the question is, internationally, are the products in the, available internationally? Are they available worldwide? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we ship uh, to practically every country in the world unless there's some kind of uh, trade embargo or something that we can't send into. Okay. So, but, so for uh, our North uh, Korean <laughs> listeners, you're in trouble is what we're saying. But that really, yeah, I mean, how many of you are there? That's that's a good question. Um, but yeah, and that's, you know, from our internet retailers that, you know, obviously reaches worldwide. We do have a manufacturing and distribution operation in Australia oh, wow. uh, that that services, you know, the South Pacific and, and the Asian markets. Um, and we do have a little bit of a presence in Europe. And again, when we get into custom products, then we talk about vehicles that are a little bit different than American vehicles. So uh, we may not have the pattern library to cover uh, vehicles worldwide yet. But uh, if it's an American vehicle somewhere in the world, you can bet we have a product for it. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. cool. Plus, you guys, I mean, you have a little, like, uh, measurement kit, and you're kind of always adding anyway, aren't you? Yeah, we add patterns to our library every day, you know, just custom car covers alone. Mm -hmm. We have over 85,000 patterns, seat covers. I don't even have numbers on, on that. That's okay. And it's okay. Dash mats and, you know, the, <laughs> off the top of it your gets head. into the millions and millions when we start talking about all the product lines. Unbelievable. Well, along those lines, actually, in case you guys listening don't realize this, uh, Covercraft was a presenting sponsor for us. It was awesome on American Original. And yeah. part of their sponsorship, and keep in mind, if you've seen that film, and thank you 
you to all the many of you that have. If you've seen that film, we have 13 cars in that film. And of those 13 cars, I believe 12 of them are all privately owned mm-hmm. yep. and all yep. separate owners. And all of those owners from the 1954 to the brand new C7 Corvette Z06 that we had, all of those owners got a custom fit car cover from Covercraft for their car. And I, and I remember asking this question of Jeff, shows my ignorance. I remember asking this question of Jeff when we first got into this. It was like, do you have patterns for those old cars? He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he let's, had just, them. let's just get yep. them done. Let's get these Corvettes done. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was a treat for us to get to to present those on, you know, a production like that with these iconic vehicles from from the beginning to to current was just, uh, you know, something we couldn't turn down. And, and to be able to present uh, a custom cover to all those owners for each vehicle was you know, that's what we do. And uh, to be able to, to do that uh, in cooperation with you guys was, was an honor for us. Oh, it was, it was very cool. And uh, Jeff, actually, I don't think you know this story yet about the film. We gave at the premiere the covers to all the owners and they were delighted. They were thrilled. And what we did was we had the American original logo silk screened onto the windshield area of the car yeah, cover. Yeah, it looked great. And so... <laughs> There were, we had at least two owners that already had covers for their cars. Mm-hmm. One was Jamie, he owned the 67, and the other was Bill, he's got the white Z06, the C7 Z06. And so Jamie told us later, he said, well, I threw away my car cover. And we went, what? No, he said, I already had one for my 67. I, I gave that away because the one I got from Covercraft was so awesome. <laughs> That's the one I want on my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it gave us a heart attack just for a minute there. <laughs> but but you, you don't even know that, Excellent. Jeff. And, and uh, he was so thrilled with it. And it ties that particular car now. It's, it's in the film, you know. Yeah, it's, for it's sure, which part is of, even cooler. Yeah. Part of the lore now. And, and so both, uh, yeah, Bill and... And Jamie both had uh, covers already. They don't use them. They set them aside, and Jamie gave his away. He's like, I don't need this. I've got yeah, the cool one now. That's really cool. I love it. So, yeah, he loved that. And, uh, by the way, the, the covers that you you were able to provide were brilliant. They were the top quality stuff. Yeah, they were good stuff. I mean, if you've seen the film, and I know many of you have, thank you, you stick around for the closing credits to watch yeah. everything that went wrong. <laughs> and, and we actually get to show off one of these covers in that because thankfully we have a uncrashed car to show with a cover on <laughs> no it, which kidding. is if you haven't seen the film, uh, yeah, go watch that. Be horrified with the rest of us. Exactly. Uh, quick question. Well, a good thing go ahead, the cover Jeff, go could ahead. take care of one of those crashed cars so you wouldn't have to show it. But just <laughs> yeah, saying, just, for, for next cover. time, you'll we'll know. Just, there's we'll a fill, car we'll fill it in. Trust me, it looks fine. Trust me. The, the cover, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, there's a quick follow-up question to your worldwide availability, and that is through other retailers, as you've mentioned before. You've got everything available on Covercraft.com, but what about the breadth and depth of your products available through other retailers? Is it just Does it kind of vary by country and region and you know the kind of car? Where does it stand on that? Yeah, like I said, you know, our, our pattern library is majority American-made vehicles. We do have a, a fairly good library of, of classic European vehicles. Um, and, again, in Australia, we have a, a, an extensive library of, of the vehicles down there. So, you know, we, we can cover most vehicles in those regions. Um, North America, obviously, is taken care of and, and partial of Europe and, 
most of the South Pacific and Asia. Yeah, the the uh, the partnership that you've uh, given us, and then by virtue of everybody tweeting at us the cover they've gotten, you mm -hmm. know, they say, "Hey, I got the new whatever a, a Fiesta ST," or and then they show the the cover that they've gotten yeah. for it. Jeff, you wouldn't believe how many people have tweeted and emailed yeah. and yeah, sent yeah. the photos of their covers now to us. Well, and, and the sunshades too. That's that. I'm the big I'm the big yeah. believer in sunshades. You, Telling I, you, I wasn't a believer I sold for the longest time, Paul, and you did, and I, now I'm like, "Where's the sun? <laughs> I need the good one." So yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that product for us has just been phenomenal and continues to to be more popular year after year um, as people really recognize the benefit of using one of these number one to protect the interior from, from the sun but two just to help cool it down on a hot day completely um, yeah. you know we've all burned our hands on the steering wheel or burned other parts on the seat or <laughs> you know your, your elbow yeah, on the armrest well yeah you've said that before yeah <laughs> To to avoid that is you know for for fifty dollars or sixty dollars you know on a uh, one time to avoid that on a daily basis Completely. is well worth the money. Yeah, so. You think the leather seat option was a great idea until you get on them at a hundred degree day in Texas and you go, why did I get leather seats? Why did <laughs> exactly. I do this? Yeah, right. exactly. Jeff, before we let you go, curious as to what show you're off to next, and are you already thinking about the cars you're going to have in your booth at SEMA? What's going on with that? Can you? you know, reveal anything. You had some sweet Corvettes, actually. It, we were walking around SEMA last year yeah. thinking, what is the deal with all the C1s and C2s we're seeing? And, you know, we were in the midst. We had just shot the we film. We had just finished, yeah. Thinking, exactly. are we just right in the sweet spot? Everybody's thinking about C1s, C2s, and, and Corvettes. But where, where are you off to next? And, uh, yeah, what's going to be the focus for uh, the rest of 2019 for you? Well, uh, in terms of upcoming shows, you know, we're really winding down, uh, Thankfully, what we've been doing. Good, good. Um, you travel all the time. We, say. we do have some more sponsorship commitments with uh, Major League Fishing and our, our fisherman, Bradley Roy. And uh, then we do have some uh, auctions coming up that we'll be uh, participating in. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're really uh, starting to dig into our SEMA preparation. Um, we should have a couple of nice surprises this year. Uh, you know, we've done a really good job the past few years of bringing some uh, eye-catching vehicles and um, so we have to we have to step it up each year and, and get better um, but I think we'll have something that's uh, really unique this year uh, actually a couple of things one may be a Ford and <laughs> one will be a Chevy cool um, right. you so I'll, I'll leave it at that but okay. um, we're, we're working with our friends that we've worked with before and um, we'll just try to bring an even better exhibit and and more buzz to SEMA very cool, very cool. Well, that is the SEMA problem. You got to go bigger than last year. No at some kidding. point, when does that fall? Well, I, I mean that. Oh, I mean that's your SEMA at large. It's like it's, you go every year and you just go, "How did we get bigger than last year?" So yeah, that and is. It, the and it just seems like as soon as you start, you know, these builders they're starting on cars and something went wrong. I mean, Jeff, the story you told us about the Corvette from last year that got damaged by a tractor trailer tire that came loose off a freeway and. <laughs> damaged the car what was it three weeks before the show i mean we're horrified and we're looking at the car thinking where how did yeah, you guys yeah, finish yeah. this in time for sema so i'm you know ho hopefully nothing like that this year hopefully nothing goes wrong yeah that was a great story those guys uh heartland customs they're at the road from us in oklahoma build uh retro mod corvettes like nobody else and um that was an amazing story about that particular car, and the car ended up winning a GM Design Award at SEMA. So did it really? Uh, that, yeah, that's a testament to how good of work they do, and 
those are the kind of people we enjoy working with. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time, for being on, for your support. Just in general, yeah, all you guys sure. at Covercraft have been amazing to us, and we're just really thankful. Oh, thank you, guys. Your pleasure to work with you, and we look forward to continuing the relationship and uh, watching you guys uh, put out some more great content and entertain us on a daily basis. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, take care. So there's Jeff. I'm thanking him yet again. I mean, I realize the call's over, but I'm thanking sure, him again. Yeah. He'll, hear it. He'll hear it when he hears the podcast. Thanking him again <laughs> for being on and for them for being uh, just great sponsors of us and sponsors of a lot of people. And just, as we've talked about already, just equipping enthusiasts to do more, which is really cool. Well, yeah, you even heard at the the uh, American Original premiere, Jesse was here. They sent Jesse from Oklahoma. And it it was cool to you know recognize them and say, you know, mm-hmm. they were partial sponsors of the film and... You know, we we recognize them, and it was just it was kind of a cool sort of you know family moment. I, I don't really know was. how else to describe it, was, it. It was surprisingly familiar. You know? I, I totally, totally agree with that. And we got to hang out with him. So they're a great company, and they've been really good to us. So we're excited about uh, seasons going forward and all the support they've given us so far. Uh, we do have to actually pay other bills, so we're going to be right back. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader or Car Gurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. Autotempest.com has got you covered there all at once. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Auto Tempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, as we are all the time, autotempest.com is your place to start. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. After having Jeff on, we thought we would go to all questions. It's not something we we always get to do, but we've got so many. And congratulations and thank you guys for Mm -hmm. all the amazing questions. Always so well thought through and Mm -hmm. curated. And I'll give you an example from Aurelio Duarte Encinas. Aurelio, thank you for writing. He asks, do car designers have to be young? Mm. He knows of some industries where having a youthful eye is preferred, if not almost mandatory, because we risk getting stale in our perspective and creativity. Do we think the car industry and the auto design industry functions in the same way? And then as a follow-up, how long do most designers stay in the field if they're not advancing up the ladder? And then, you know, how do you really have your significant design work recognized? And are are there guys, are there people doing significant design work compared to, he's saying, professional sports leagues, Mm -hmm. things like that? First of all, your question about being young. Well, from my experience, uh, it's been a few years now, but uh, <laughs> after I graduated college, I came across Mazda, and I understand that Mazda wanted to hire people from the comic book industry. Interesting. And okay. animators. And 
it was a different take on things because again, Relo, to your point, they wanted some fresh takes on styling and mm-hmm. you know just the industry at large. They just you, your skills, of course, and the training has to be there to be able to translate those other yeah, ideas. Yeah. That was a while back. I'm thinking now there's a lot of um, actually gamers, and I can confirm that Tesla, the design team, wants actually people from animation and hmm. uh, gaming. Here's what's interesting. They would hire, not necessarily for design positions, but Tesla would even interview people that walk dogs for a living. The reason is because of their ability to manage chaos and stay focused. It had nothing mm, to do with the fact okay. that they walk dogs. It's because your they ability like, they like falcon to manage. Doors? They, well, yes, they like falcon doors. And the, no. Because of the dog walkers, <laughs> no. the new Tesla actually unfolds itself into one giant ramp with a cage it's, in the back. We don't know why. It's just, we have no idea why. Just The whole back of it unfolds, exactly. and there's just a cage back there that envelops you. This part there's, of the, there's handles the, for leashes. You can leash your kids. It's going to be exactly. great. This part just spits out pee pads. You know, It just ejects them <laughs> like a vending machine over here. No, no, no. The, the Tesla T-Pad. Does it have the logo? Forget it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> no. The point was, considering other industries mm-hmm. and considering other professions that relate to what they're looking for for particular jobs, design very much included. So, yes, they want young designers with fresh takes on things, certainly. But then the, the folks doing the significant design work, say, later in their career, well, you know, you, of course, want to move up the ladder. You want to move into more significant positions. You want to actually have some concepts realized into production. Sometimes the concept is designed after the production car is actually finished and already being stamped out of sheet metal. But yes, designers want to move through their career, and it takes a while because, to be honest, a lot of times you're stuck for three months on some interior trim or six months on a fascia refresh or... Work on a door handle for me. It does. It happens. I've I done need more there. door handles for me. I've been there when yeah. I was at Ford. It, I was there. I was working on an interior door card, and that is the industry nomenclature for the panel that screws to the mm-hmm. inside of the door. That is the door card with a window drops. You've ever replaced a speaker? You've yeah. gotten into this panel. Yeah. Yes. That entire and maybe thing. broken and couldn't put it back on, uh-huh. but that panel. Yeah. So actually, uh, when I was there, uh, it was uh, Murray Callum who was my. Uh, mentor while I was at Ford. Very cool. Murray is currently the vice president of design for Ford. He was a junior designer then, and me and another guy from uh, from school, we were, you know, kind of under his wing. He was a junior designer, showing us around, and he's moved up the ranks big time. But you know, he's influenced design, and and it has to do with personality, just like in any company. And mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know, you're moving through, but you want, you know, over time, you're a mature designer, and you understand what's possible, what's not, and then still bringing fresh thinking. That's when people's careers really can culminate. Mm, mm. Different than, well, your body wore out because, you know, you're no longer 25 or, you know, you can't (laughs) play the game anymore. True. Fair. fair, Very unlike. Just like we've talked about driving, you can do the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going to jump right off of that into talk about driving. Charlie K N Y C on Instagram asked a question about he's going to his first high performance driving event. Good for you. He's yeah, going congrats. with the local BMW M Car Control Clinic, and he's saying, "Okay, look, it's not a track day necessarily. It's a little more like high speed autocross." But what uh, what should we what do we recommend he focus on? I'll give you a couple things here real quick. Uh, if there are instructors available, get yourself instructors. Listen to said instructors. Get as many instructors in the car with you as possible. You will come away having had a better day and learned more. That's the first thing I want to say. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want to say is you asked about what 
should I, you know, should I worry about breaking weight transfer? All of the above. You're going to worry about all of that. But the instructor will tell you what you're doing right and wrong and see if you can find it. It is, this is, it's like dancing or skating or skiing or anything that has a perfect balance moment in it. When you hit a corner properly, you can feel it. You can do it yeah. wrong 10 times. When you get it right, you go, oh, that's, that's the way I'm supposed to get everything to happen that way. So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll feel that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I want to encourage you with, because I never do it well enough, and I'm always chastising myself to do it better, please remember your eyes. Where are you looking all day? You're probably not looking far enough up. You're probably not looking far enough through the corner. The farther you look up, the more you are mentally thinking about where am I looking, the better you'll drive. All right. Chad Merrick on Facebook asks, universally, some exceptions are out there. Why are front brake calipers mounted on the leading edge of the disc and rear calipers on the trailing edge? Why, why is this? Mm. I'm glad you're noticing. And it's my understanding. It very much depends on the car and the architecture of the car in general. But think about the suspension components underneath, and especially for the front, where the steering rack is going. First of all, if it's a front-engine car, they're placing the engine somewhere, ideally further towards the middle of the car for weight distribution, which means the only room left over is ahead of the front axle, so therefore the mounting space is available there rather than towards the rear. And, you know, they're considering engineering, turning you know, radiuses, all, all that kind of stuff. All of the steering rack components on the back half. Yeah. Same thing mm-hmm. with the rear of the car. You know, if you can, I mean, I, I don't know that they work necessarily better at the trailing or the leading edge, but it has more to do with the suspension components underneath. Mm-hmm. And where's the available space to put this big caliper? Well, mm-hmm. I guess the suspension components and that, you know, drivetrain's right there. So, all right, we're going to the trailing edge of that, you know, back here. It just kind of depends. Packaging. Interesting. Uh, Facebook, Jack Stevens says, okay, challenge. Starting tomorrow, we are only allowed to drive cars from a certain decade. Oh, I like this question. Which decade would you pick and why? Now, I cheated, but only a little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm taking a decade swath, but oh, I'm not I picking see. a decade. I'm oh, picking I see. 95 to 2005. I think that is the sweet spot of cars for me. 1995 to 2005, Hmm. and here's why. Hmm. You're starting to get into safety features. There are airbags. There are these kind of things. But you still have small A-pillars, and you still have low hoods because there's no pedestrian crash (laughs) testing. Most cars don't have navigation screens or interiors designed around the navigation screen, and we haven't gotten – most cars haven't gotten numb yet. It's all hydraulic steering. They typically Mm -hmm. are lighter. Things are thinner. There's some safety features, but there's no auto start stop. There's no automatic lane keeping assist. There's none of those things that have made cars, you could argue, safer, but certainly have made them heavier. Okay? All these extra Mm. little features are making cars Mm. heavier. And by doing, here's how crazy it gets. From 95 to 2005, you know what I accomplish? The last couple years of the Supra, the RX-7, and the uh, 300ZX were in there. (laughs) Yes, you have. The S2000. And the Lotus Elise are all in that swath. <laughs> Very creative. Well done. That's, and, That's great. And also, you can get first-gen Boxster and the first year of the second-gen Boxster. All in that swath. Wow, very nice. 95 to 05, I'm staying there. That is well thought through. I, I have a counterpoint. Okay. Not that that's wrong. There's no wrong answer, of course. But if we're taking a 10-year swath, I'd either take the 60s or like 55 to 65, somewhere in there. I can see it. I can see it. Because... Then you'd get an E-type. Ooh, well, that hurts. Well, that, there that is hurts. that. Ow. Oh, Ow. I, that's I, true. I missed that. <laughs> Darn it. Darn it. Well, here, here's the thing. 
the optimism and the try anything attitude yeah, of yeah, that yeah, I era. See that. I see that. We're just trying stuff, and we came out with this car. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know if it's going to fly. We think it will. It'll be, <laughs> you know, kind of towards the end of the. I guess the 57, 58 Testarossas and mm-hmm. you know, the, the gorgeous mechanical, everything yeah, was just I see it, I see still it. rooted in old school, but they're trying to move forward with kind of starting into new techniques a okay. little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and just this whole optimism of the sixties of we're just trying stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just making cool Let's cars. make the fins bigger. Yeah. All of that stuff. <laughs> There's lightweight European cars to choose from. Yeah, There's yeah, big, yeah. heavy American fin-encrusted cars. That, I like fin-encrusted, by the way. I never get that's... to say kumquat and festooned and encrusted in, in a sentence there very often. So, well done. Uh, you know, I had to use that. Perfect. All right. There's a question from Kelly Kenworthy. Question about which car for beginning driving is always a great go-to. And he's wanting us to clarify our stance on this because he was thinking he's heard us talk about handling being more important than power, but he's now hearing from other folks that a tendency to understeer is more important than anything else. And, you know, we identify that in new cars as the default manufacturer setting for completely. It is. Yeah. yeah I guess we'll have it understeer. If, if anything should happen, you know, we'll have you understeer. Yeah. Fine. Well, yes, Kelly, you're right. Driver training is always the first step and the best step. I mean, I, I personally, we've talked about this a lot, I wish driver's ed went further and the mandatory part of it went a lot further. I wish I had more training. I wish Mm -hmm. I knew more as a 16 year old instead of, I mean, I was corrected by the driver. I thought, you know what? Once the, once it's clear to turn left, I can go. And I didn't realize oncoming traffic has right away. Mm. And the, the instructor stomped on the extra brake pedal and, I still remember that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, just various things, but car control and, and the feeling of that on the edge out of control when tires are slipping, but they're still Mm -hmm. gripping and, and, you know, skid car practices, all that kind of stuff. I wish I had that more. So driver training, absolutely. But I'm still back to handling and low power. A lot of, uh, you have to do stuff with the car. You have Mm -hmm. to shift the gears yourself and you have to. You know, all that kind of stuff that we've talked about. I think low power manual transmission are key elements. I think, And I stand by the fact that a manual transmission should be the thing in a, in a kid's first car. No kidding. And I, th- I do think that a low power car that is small is better than a large, well, I'm going to get my little girl. A uh, Ford F three fifty, and and honestly, with the best of intentions, she's going to kill us all. Okay, actually, what's going to happen? She's going to kill somebody like me driving a Lotus Elise because she didn't see me until she picks me out from underneath the tire. Okay, and, it happened and, to my niece. Oh she grew my up gosh, driving my sister and brother in law's F three fifty in some Alaska. Of, some of the gosh. most terrified driving I've seen in my life that was also borderline dangerous was I was in the Elise and there was a girl in front of me in a big brand new uh, Chevy Sierra pickup, heavy duty. Mm. You know. Mm. It was mad. It was look. I'm a tall guy. It was taller than I am if I was standing up, mm. and and I Enormous. watched her wiggle her way through her lane and struggle and worked to get around her and saw how terrified she was behind the wheel. I think that's the wrong way to go. I know it, it, we think of it as parents for safety, but I think you've created a problem there. So I think small and light. Mm-hmm. All right. What have you found on here? Uh, I've got. There's a lot of really good ones here. Actually, you know what? Here's an interesting one to debate. Frazier on on Facebook says, "Okay, if you see a car on Carfax that's had an accident in its history, but it had an accident and then that owner got it fixed mm. and drove it for years, hmm. it's like wait, it's not like they had an accident, got it fixed, and dumped it, or had an accident, sold it right away. They they it was an accident, fixed it. It's clearly on the Carfax. They drove it for years and now they're selling it. 
Is this a problem? Is this worth avoiding? Frazier, I think for me, I think the answer is what kind of accident? If you can find out what the accident was, they put on a new fender. Okay. Mm. They put on a whole new back end because it got rear-ended and they had to do a new axle. And Okay, whoa. You know what I mean? What what kind of accident are we talking about? Clearly, the person drove it and hasn't had recurring problems with it. If if they drove it, got it fixed, and now the Carfax keeps having the same issue fixed, problem. But if they drove it, I mean, they had it in an accident. I have had cars that had accidents in traffic in Los Angeles and kept driving them because you got the fender fixed and a new light mm. and we're going to go on. It's yeah. about the kind of accident and how much possibility is there that there was catastrophic damage done to the frame or the engine components or these kind of things that – it probably should be avoided. I would say it it has to do with the quality of the repair and seeing the car and peppering the owner with questions. If they've been willing to continue driving and they've been happy, well, what are, what are their standards? Are they pretty low? And they're just, that's good. That's together with, you know, the MacGyver esque, you know, bailing wire and duct tape and a little bit of chewing gum, then great. But you know, run away. This car drove badly before it drives badly. Now I just didn't notice (laughs) the difference. Exactly. Or was it really well, you know, well built. Was it such an expensive car new that it was actually worth to do the repair? And now mm, the prices mm. drop where you're able to consider the car. But, you know, sometimes the repairs can be really well done. Yeah. A lot yeah. of money put towards them. And in that case, I'd consider it. it if the price was right, of course. You yeah. can't sell it yeah, for, yeah. you know, it's all trade offs. Yeah. The, the same kind of price as an unmolested car, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'd, it just depends on really seeing it digging in with the owner and how forthcoming are they i've got two that relate to each other so i should hop into them uh let's talk kids uh, it's frightening <laughs> mystic right. negro, negro on instagram asks a question about kids and so does uh ad, ad rock fox on instagram they both ask questions i'm gonna run through the questions quick and i'm gonna try to combine them and see if i can see if i can fight my way through this hallway of rakes it's not even a room full of rakes it's a hallway and there's like i've got to run to the other end it's going to be all bad anyway is that like hot coals or something it's it's worse worse? it's worse yeah Yeah. so anyway so mystic negro says all right he's he's very confused i can sense it in the question he says a buddy of mine and his wife are looking for a seven seat suv because they now have he writes it this way a meaning single meaning one child (laughs) <laughs> Man, wife, one child must have seven-seater. I can't wait and, to hear the rant that's coming. And he's just saying, what am I missing? Why? Why is this happening? Okay? Do they have pets? Lots that relates dogs? to Ad Rock Fox, who says, he's asking me about kids. He says, he and his wife have a BRZ, a 2015 Chevy Sonic hatch, okay? Okay. And, which is like a Fiesta ST-sized, and then an extended cab, to year 2000 F-150. Okay. okay. They are having their first kid soon. So the question is, that will be the first. They're going to play have more than one, they hope, but okay. their the first is coming in, a, in in this year. Suburban, and we're done. Exactly. Uh, when should they think about changing cars mm. with that stable? So you, you see how these relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Mystic Negro, I'll say this. My wife and I got a seven-seat Acadia when we were pregnant and about to have our first kid, and then we realized very shortly thereafter, and I'm saying it was a screw-up. We realized quickly thereafter, we have one dog. We're not going to have any more kids. Why do we have so many seats? <laughs> what? Who is this for? Because of the grandparents that came to town to see the grandson but, and the, y'all see, go to dinner? That's, that's the key thing. So my answer back to you, Mystic Negro, is who are they hauling? If it's literally like the two of them, man and wife, and their one child, 
mm-hmm. they don't need a seven seat car unless they are always hauling a grandparent the grandparents with them. Now you can see it. I think I Tell think them to the, rent a car and meet you at dinner. Seriously, I think I think the rough rule here, and it's a rough rule. I think you should have one more seat than you regularly have people. Because especially if one of the people is a kid, you've just got stuff. And maybe it's in the trunk, but maybe they need it in the seat beside them. I think you could, and I'm even saying you have four of you in a five-seat car. That's fine. Hmm. But hmm. I think I, I feel like the enthusiast rule should be one more seat than you have people. And I mean that for regular usage. Like when I have parents in town, we don't have enough, we don't have enough seats. We have to take two cars. I'm okay with that. <laughs> They're only in a few times a year. Exactly. I'm not buying a seven-seater for the three times a year I see my parents. I'm not doing it. Right. Okay? Right. So you have to think about who all are they hauling, which leads me back to Adrock Fox and his question. Why do you have to change your cars at all? You have... The extended cab 2000 F-150, that gets you done for a while, okay? The Sonic hatch is going to be fine for you and your wife and your and your little one for, for a while, too. I think, I think, if I'm doing a car debate for now four years into your future, the BRZ or your sports car stays, the Sonic hatch gets replaced, and the F-150 stays. And the Sonic hatch becomes something else. Everything from a dad fast wagon to a small CUV. Sure, but can't you wait a while? You don't have to yes. do it the day of the birth, Not right? At all. No, that's the thing. You can I don't wait even... six months and kind of see how things you go. You can wait until and... the second child is currently here. I mean, here's the thing. With <laughs> that with that slate, the 2000 F-150, you could wait indefinitely. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah I mean, there's, yeah. there's no, there's nothing on your list of cars that, cab, says, yeah. Yeah. that says you need to worry about this. I, I, you're, you're okay until you really are looking down... We have four people and a dog that are going to be in this car all the time. We need another car. And then at that point, I still think the sports car stays, and you get rid of something like the Sonic Hatch and go bigger there. Anyway. All right. A question over here from Nick Dorn 2.0, design question, which I love. Which design feature or styling cue that was phased out for regulatory necessity or market preference would you most like to see brought back to Hmm. modernity, modern design? Yeah, yeah. Hood ornaments. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> With pedestrian crash standards, never going to happen. This, <laughs> this eviscerating sharp thing exactly. on the front is going to hit you first, but it looks cool. Let's turn the Subaru logo into a, a really pointy hood it's ornament. A, it's an actual constellation pointing at you on the front. I like this. We're creating jobs that, you know, somebody sharpens the points at the factory. <laughs> We're creating jobs. I'm the sharpener. I sharpen the logo. I sharpen the ornaments on that. No. Uh, well, I would also add handbrake levers. Yeah, I I appreciate handbrake levers in um, in the fun sports cars. I I just completely I yeah. like them, and genuine exhaust outlets, exhaust outlets that actually are the shape of the pipe. And this this exhaust outlet is the actual end of the pipe. Yeah, that is crazy when that happens, isn't it? By the way, Nick, if you if you find yourself looking at the back of any Hyundai, or maybe you're sitting in traffic and you're looking at the back of a Hyundai now, mm-hmm. back off a little bit so you can see all of the back end at a at a telephoto zoom or a, a telephoto you, yeah. look to it. The Hyundai mantra is that you shouldn't be able to see any of the undercarriage from behind the car. This comes from the design team. Hmm, okay. You shouldn't be able to see okay. anything hanging down or exhaust pipes or mufflers or okay. you know differentials, suspension bits, any of that stuff. So they design them in such a way so everything is covered from that rear view so it looks tidy and cleaned up and nicely done, mm-hmm. which I like. Sometimes, though, that means bringing those rear aprons down too far, and it gives it a heavier rear yeah, end yeah, look yeah, to it. For sure. It's such a balance because they want it cleaned up and tidy versus you see a, you know, hey, it's the new whatever compact car and this ugly, you know, stamped metal muffler hanging yeah. down underneath. Yeah 
doesn't do the car any justice. It doesn't. You're right. Especially you're right. if it's styled well, doesn't do much for it. Should we wade into the debate of the internet that is the new 2020 Mustang EcoBoost performance pack? Mm, there's there's going to be lots of opinions. Yeah, uh, this is uh, Ad the Man's on Instagram says, is asking, what do we think of the 2020 EcoBoost? Uh, meanwhile, our friend Shane is writing in and saying, what is the EcoBoost Mustang equivalent? If you're a 40-something-year-old and you cannot stomach the fact of being a 40-something-year-old in an EcoBoost Mustang. Interesting counterpoint question. <laughs> By a Civic but, Type R? But let me go to uh, – <laughs> because that's less boy racer. That's awesome. It's just a different kind of I like of racer. that answer. It's like, yeah, the Mustang wasn't for me. I got this with more wing. I, you know what? Now it's wing Podcast too. over. Thanks for listening. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Um, the EcoBoost performance pack. Okay, essentially, this is they've taken the EcoBoost uh, base Mustang with the turbo, and they're putting the engine from the Focus RS in it. Mm-hmm. It's only getting like ten or twenty more horsepower. It's not getting a ton more horsepower. It's got the same amount of torque, but it apparently has uh, all that horsepower and torque earlier. And they're doing slight changes to suspension and slight changes to tires, and so it might be an even better performance car uh, at the base level. Two thoughts here. First off, once the EcoBoost becomes the same price as the GT, I'm just saying if you're sitting down and doing a car configurator or you're standing on the lot, once the EcoBoost reaches the GT, get the V8. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think this is interesting because it feels like Ford tuning their own product, and that means it has R&D behind it. So instead of you buying the current EcoBoost Mustang and getting it chip-tuned, they've got a engine they know more about, that they've gotten more power out of. So it might actually be kind of the sweet spot of buying a Mustang Turbo because it's 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 Ford tuning it and doing the R&D. Mm, yeah, good point. Anyway. Good point. Got a couple questions here. First quick one, selfies with Steve. Have we noticed the Acura logo is just the Honda logo as if somebody pinched the top of the H? Well, yes, they're supposed to be calipers. They're precision calipers indicating a, a higher level of engineering and precision to the car ideally but but yes theoretically i I think it's kind of clever by the way if you want good logo design for those of you who haven't seen the arrow embedded in the fedex logo go look for it it's the negative white space that forms at the end of the fedex there and it's Mm -hmm. it's pointed there one of the best examples of logo design and subtlety ever designed there is a reason that mm-hmm. logo looks the way it does. There's a negative white yeah. arrow in the FedEx logo. My son is obsessed with the fact that he can see it. We can't drive by, by a FedEx that. truck After without him, him, that. Without yeah, him pointing that. it out to me. I'm like, I've heard the story, buddy. <laughs> I, I'm glad you see it, but I've heard the story. It's, anyway, it's, it's little cool. brilliant things like that. So uh, another question here, a boy with his toys. What are some examples of good engines that are a bad match for the car they're in? He recently had a Volkswagen Atlas rental for two weeks and mm-hmm. feels like the VR6 was out of place in such a big, heavy SUV. I think engines these days are getting a lot better as far as being matched because of turbocharging. Because yeah, we're fair, seeing fair, fair. lower displacement and gearing. We're seeing transmissions with 9 million gears, which means you yes. can chirp it off the line. Or sometimes the car starts you out in second gear because what the is electronics first are for? like, why do I even have first? I'll just start you out in second. You're fine. So uh, They're getting better. But I'll give you an example. It goes way back. Okay. The car my grandfather had. Uh-oh. It was a mid-80s, I think it was an 85, somewhere in there, Buick Electra that had a 5.7 liter V8 diesel in it. Ooh. 
It was a passenger car with yeah. a V8 diesel. <laughs> it was a truck engine. Now, you like can it. make the argument that, you know, the Viper is an engine wearing the car like a cape. It is, yes. You could kind of make that argument, but, you know, part of the charm of the Viper and what makes it kind of magical yeah, in a yeah. sense. I think over time, that's very much a thought of car companies. You know, they're positioning the engine output. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to get more out of the Mazda Sky Active. I think... If they offered more power, they were in the 240 horsepower sweet spot for the Mazda 3. Mm-hmm. I think that would be ideal. I think those are on the low end of power. I think the Lexus lineup V8s for a long time have been more performance-oriented engines than the car they're put in. Fair. They're, okay. they're, they're fine. They're fine. They do provide enough power to be the Lexus and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Lexus, you can go back to the, the earlier ISF. Much better mm-hmm. engine than the car around it. Yeah, you know. Okay, that, All and right. I think there's those kind of situations where somebody's just made a really good engine. the The Cadillac Northstar V8 was always a much beloved uh, engine, but it was always in front wheel drive cars. What's that doing there? <laughs> That's why we always make the joke of somebody drop that in a Fiero. Let's see if we can have some fun. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, I mean, these kind of things happen. Ooh, that that makes me think about uh, yeah, all those Northstar products. You know, yeah. and and. Uh, the Volvo Yamaha V8 powered XC90. Yeah, yeah. That just seemed strange. Yeah, it was just we're we're stuffing this in because we want a V8 in this thing. We have to say it has a V8, but mm. we had to turn it sideways and stuff it in at a weird <laughs> angle somehow. Bring the extra crowbar. Trust me, it's going to work. It's going to be fine. <laughs> we'll get this in here somehow. Okay, a uh, question from the legend continues. Really quick, we've talked about modding out of class, but what about modding into class? And you're talking about the golf or needing more power, which is capable of, you know, an additional 100 wheel horsepower, a tune of nearly two grand, better tires, decent springs. Well, what we're talking about is never getting your money back out of it. And actually modding into class, isn't that a race car? <laughs> you're, you're modding it into the class of which you're racing? Of, that, that's a race car, okay, right? I see where you are. Am I, yeah. am I off? Okay, well, but the argument, I think the other argument there is he's saying, isn't it, isn't it cheaper than its competitors? Isn't the Golf R cheaper than its competitors? Yes. Uh, okay, po- possibly. Theoretically, possibly. but again, coming back to you'll never get your money back out of those components. Well, and now, you, but I, I stand by the fact that at some point you are your own R&D department, and that can be a problem. But you are actually talking simple stuff. You're talking sure. a tune. You're talking tires, maybe suspension. I, the suspension and there's many companies that have sorted it. It's just yes. the bolt-on stage one, yes. and you know it's proven, dynode, blah. Yeah, I think I think there is, I, I think generally in tuning, I'm going to get myself in trouble by saying this, but I'm saying it anyway. Generally in tuning, I feel like the the low-hanging fruit is the stuff you get the benefit out of. It's when you get into, well, but if I add this extra little thing, I'll get three more. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> there, there, is, there is a certain, especially with turbo engines, there is a certain thing. There, there's, there's an initial kind of horsepower grab that's easy and cheap, and then you are chasing, almost chasing your tail with a lot of money for not a lot of gain. Mm-hmm. All right, I've got a couple of quick ones too. What are recommendations if you want to test daily driving a manual transmission before you make a big financial commitment? And then also from Zachary Levine over here, what do you do when no one wants to teach you stick because you have to start on an incline or you need to learn and parking garages are not acceptable locations <laughs> because of too much traffic and you live in Southeast Florida where the only hills are made out of trash. <laughs> I think you're actually not kidding. <laughs> uh, to both of you, I would say Turo is huge. Mm. You can certainly rent cars and there's still some rentable manuals, but they're more in yeah. the performance exotic categories because... Let's be honest, many people don't know how to drive a manual transmission. Yeah. I, I think uh, I'd love to have survey results, but of course, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. But 
I'll bet you more people nowadays don't than actually do. Oh, yeah, I think that's true. But we found Turo and, and, you know, of course, friends' cars, but Turo's a great way. Turo's just friends you haven't made friends with yet. Met, yeah. I would say if you're going to go Turo somebody's car that has a manual transmission, please take with you a friend who knows how to drive manual and have them on the rental as well so you aren't learning to drive stick while you leave their house. <laughs> That's or the just, airport or where That's just not endearing you to anybody. That, really that could isn't. go badly. Yeah, yeah, that's all bad. Yeah. Guys, massive thanks for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.